Hey, this is Ash Ketchum, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Gotta catch them all. Episodes, that is. <laughs> Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Unite armies of the Spoilerverse unite. No. Unite armies. Armies of the Spoilerverse unite. And welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, we're, well, we're going to catch them all with Veronica Taylor. Yes, this, yes, 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 we are. And uh, my dog is going crazy in the background, so you can probably hear that. So hopefully <laughs> it edits out. If not, I apologize. My, my six-month-old puppy has decided that he cannot be alone. And if he's downstairs by himself, he has to yip at the stairs for hours on end. So... That's okay. But Veronica yeah, Taylor. she's amazing. I, Casey got to sit down and chat with her, and she did an amazing bump for us that you heard at the beginning um, as Ash Ketchum, which is awesome. And uh, she was – I mean, this is such a uh, an awesome interview. It, uh, you're in for a treat. Yeah. So for if you haven't figured it out, uh, Veronica is the voice of Ash Ketchum on the Pokemon animated series and what, the movies? They've, do, they've done a couple yeah, movies, Yeah, right? she's the voice of, po- of, of, of Ash uh, she's also the voice of April O'Neil on the O3 uh, Turtles cartoon. And uh, she's, I mean, if you look up her her credits, she's done quite a few cool, cool things. Yeah. The voiceover world, it just seems like all those people that are steeped into the voiceover world are, everyone that we've had on has been amazing. Yeah, Super I cool. Mean, yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, what's kind of funny is, is because Veronica has her own studio set up at home. You can definitely yeah. hear the quality difference between her and Casey. <laughs> so Casey sounded way better. Totally not accurate. No, <laughs> other, way, other way around. <laughs> well, that's the difference between Casey on an $80 mic and Veronica probably on a $2,000 <laughs> Right. Someday yeah. we get there. I, I mean, so yeah. I mean, just to be fair, we, you know, we purchased Casey's mic for yeah. him. And it's not like we went and got him a full studio no, set up. We got him a USB mic because... That's what he oh, got. That's what we can afford because that's where we're at. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, sh- uh, I, I'm a little older than the Pokemon Target crowd, but I have seen the cartoon uh, many yeah. times with uh, various kids, and I play the Pokemon Go there game you go. all the time. There you go. So I am a Pokemon fan in the end, at the end of the day. So anything that just keeps kids... I don't know. There's, yeah, entertained, but also, you know, there's something to be said when you find a product that kids really connect with. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's not some, it's been around since the nineties. So it's not something that is not well thought out and just to, you know, throw it out the wall and it stuck. So let's go with it. No, this is something that was really conceived really well Mm -hmm. and, you could tell they've they've put in a lot of stuff into yeah. it. You know, a lot of heart into it. A lot of heart has paid off for them. They made a few dollars off of it, so <laughs> right, just, <a laughs> just one or two, one or two, <laughs> just one or two. It's all good. But let's sit back and listen to Veronica in her own words because uh, she's she's awesome. You're gonna enjoy this. We're, we're, we're gearing up for school right now. So my wife teaches uh, kindergarten. So, oh, um, wow. Gearing That's up even for harder. That. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it, it, it'll be interesting. So, so 
right now, I mean, I realize we've been talking for a, about almost 10 minutes, and I haven't announced that I'm talking to Veronica Taylor. Hi, everybody. You know, we're all just normal people here, so <laughs> I think it's better to just have a, a real conversation. That's what we all need right now is just to reach out and chat with people. But thank you. I'm no so happy that, to be part of your show. <laughs> I had no idea that April O'Neil and Ash would be so cool in ah! person. So <laughs> and I mean, well, holy smokes, I'm looking at your IMDb. You stay busy. And, yeah, I've been and lucky with that. Yeah. Kind of going back to the, the whole COVID thing. How has that impacted your productivity in terms of uh getting work done and actually doing the work. Do you have a home set up now? I do. I've I've had one for the past almost six years because I moved from New York to LA and I had to get something set up so I could continue my work with New York. And so that's been great. So I've been able to easily slide into this. It's not totally soundproof. My daughter's been teaching some art classes. And so when she's teaching, I can't work. And then we live in an apartment building and the vac the hall gets vacuumed once a week or oh. sometimes twice a week and it's always when I'm recording so <laughs> it's all been a little uh, it's just been crazy and it's all about compromise I mean that's what life is so it's the same here but I've been able to do some cartoon work some video games audiobooks I do a lot of those so I've been able to work I would say my work I'm definitely down by half of what I normally do. And then I normally travel a lot to conventions and that's out. So I've been doing more kind of online convention. I put that in quotes because it's more a way to just reach out and kind of try to chat with people, even though we're all typing and I'm speaking into a void. But it's that connection. That's what makes the convention so important. And so trying to maintain some connection as we all kind of wrestle with what this pandemic has wrought. But yeah, so I've been working, but certainly not as busy as I was or would like to be. I hear you. I hear you. So when you're doing the working remotely, mm -hmm. do you have a, like somebody tied in with you like remotely while you re record or do you just kind of go over your lines Oh, no, no. Usually, especially for cart, I also do a lot of English as a second language type things that are audio workbooks and um, things like that. We always have a director. So we work through Skype. There's clients from like this. Yesterday, I was on a call with I'm in L.A. There's people in New York and people in England. So we span <laughs> half the globe. And so that's been a pretty cool thing that we're able to do that. But there's always people on the phone for that. When I record audiobooks, it used to be that I would record by myself. Now, publishers are kind of allowing an engineer to be part of that, which is pretty great. And that we do through Skype or Zoom or TeamViewer, all of that kind of stuff. So that helps. But, but there are some things I'm alone for. But I would say right now, about three quarters, I'm with someone else in my headphones. And you've, you've been doing this type of work for, for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Since I used to do a lot of theater and, you know, TV and all kinds of stuff. But now, I guess since 1998, my career kind of took a turn towards voice-related work. For the majority. My daughter was born then and my, gosh, the flexibility of my schedule just wasn't really there anymore. And luckily my career took a turn so that I could schedule the hours around her needs for as a person and also school and all of that kind of stuff. So when, when you're, you're doing all, all this stuff, I mean, it's, it seems like a, it's a lot more work intensive than than you would expect because you're you're not just reading the lines you you are performing you you are right. pushing it as as hard as you can and as hard as your voice can withstand yeah so uh, yeah uh, audiobooks for sure that's longer because you're you're recording for like six or eight hours 
but but I think in these circumstances, when you're not going to a studio and you're kind of, well, the first thing we all do, we get up, you look at the news, you see what's happened, you figure out where we are in the world. And, and then you have to kind of jump into your imagination and get creative and work. And I think it's a little harder now than it used to be. But ultimately, voiceover work is in your head. So even when you're in the booth, you can be working with other people or matching lip flap or just working on a script with nothing. You're still creating the whole thing in your mind in a way. So that part hasn't changed. But it's just getting yourself centered to be able to create. I think that's changed a bit. I've never heard the term lip flap before. Oh, yeah. It's so it's like, so obvious when you say it, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for um, anime or any other, even for live action, when you are looping it, um, you're matching the lip flap of the the animated character or the live action character. That sounds like it would be so difficult and so easy to mess up. Well, so. for sure it is. Yeah. And also it's, it's a wonderful challenge, I have to say, because so you approach, you, you see a script and for most of these things, you never see it ahead. So you're skimming the script to see your line and then you, you hear the three beeps in your headphones and then you start talking and then you have to kind of be looking at the script at the same time you're looking at their mouth and figuring out what their emotion is uh, because you've already made a quick assumption of where you're going to go with the line. But when you see it live, you often have to change that. So I, I think it's really difficult and it's really amazing and so satisfying when you get it right. You you really have to kind of find the beats mm-hmm. in, the, yeah. in the lines. Yes, exactly. Without time to investigate it, you know, because if you are in a play, you're rehearsing and you break it down and you mark your whole script up. And But with voiceover, you have to jump in and, and just kind of make it up on the spot. I mean, I think I have a bachelor's and a master's in art, uh, in acting, and I do think that that helps me to break down a script and make choices quickly. Without that training, I don't know that I could do it as fast. So when you when you started getting in into animation and everything it did you did you think it would be just kind of like oh i'm going to do a few of these and just see how it goes or or when when did you start aiming towards that as as your career path because it i mean you you found a a really amazing thing to to put your craft into yeah i don't think i ever aimed toward that I aimed from the time I was five to be a working actor. And so all of this fits into being a working actor. I didn't intend to do mostly voiceover. I didn't intend to do mostly theater. I just intended to work and hoped to work, I should say. So luckily, it has turned out in a way that I can joyfully um, go to work every day and do things that I love. But I, I never made a conscious decision. In that sense, it kind of chose me. I, I love I love pe- talking to people who are they're a they're good at their craft, and b that like they they treat it like oh this is this is my passion, but it is also my job, and yeah. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna do the best damn thing I can, right? And 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 just put my all into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might feel the same way. You must. And your wife, too. I mean, all of us, if we're not giving 100 percent, then what are we doing? Because this this is the only life we have. So you've got to just jump in and give it your all. And I think, too, being honest and truthful, especially as an actor in your performances, helps them to carry. And what I mean by that, for instance, we were doing a Midsummer Night's Dream. And when I was on tour and we played a small Catholic girls school in Brooklyn and we were in the cafeteria. We traveled with a truck and big sets and lights and all of this. And then we would have to get in and adapt. And, you know, sometimes you could put up half the set and sometimes you put up nothing of the set and then sometimes the whole set. So we would get in, unload, 
make our choices, do the show, take it down, and then drive to the next town. But in this school in Brooklyn, um, in the cafeteria, when the lovers are running through and they are, you know, they've all been crossed and one is in love with the wrong one and all of this stuff. And then they finally meet up and they wake up and the father comes in, the father of Hermia. And one of the girls was like, oh, here comes her daddy. And he's <laughs> not happy. And like everybody's cheering and yelling. And, and it was it was real. But if we hadn't been in the moment, then it it wouldn't have been believable. And, and the girls watching that show couldn't have gotten behind it, you know? And that's the way I approach all of my work, that regardless of how much I know about the character or how much I like them or don't like them or any of those kind of things, you have to bring 100% authenticity to that moment or else no one will believe it. And I feel it's just ruined. And what's the point? And why waste the precious time someone has to spend listening or watching something if you're not going to give it your 100%. And I think we all do that with our jobs. You do that with your children. You give them your 100% because that's the, the payback is them becoming wonderful, authentic people. So we have to be in every moment. And in this time of COVID, it's really hard because it's, it's not easy anymore. There's so many decisions to make just leaving the house to get groceries. Gosh, for you, every morning at 5 when you leave the house, well, even you get up at 5, leave at 5.30, but even that you're getting up at 5, there's all those decisions in leaving and how you're going to be that day so that you can come safely home. I mean, gosh, it's it's a lot of energy. And the payoff is that you your children are there to welcome you when you get home, you know, and your payoff will be, uh, when you're 80 and they're still visiting you. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I'm working on that in on, the home, baby. on the good home. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> but you know, like all of that stuff, I think it's that we all have to give a hundred percent. I just happened to have known I wanted to be an actor when I was five. And when I graduated grad school, I was like, should I have rethought this? Should I have looked into anything else? But it was too late. So, um, but, you know, sometimes we know and sometimes we are searching for what we want to be or to do. But it, within that search, that's our, our path. That's our life. So you've got to commit to it. When you when you're doing these lines, when, when you're doing your your voiceover, all that other good stuff. What helps you to keep it authentic? Because I'm, I'm thinking like when you're on the stage, it's, it's a far different feeling than when you're matching lip flap or, or mm. reading lines for, for a, a video game or something. Right. Is, is that feeling different or what keeps you in the moment and what keeps you just motivated and stoked about the material? Well, I think for me, it's that I get a chance to act. I mean, that's one thing. But but e- again, even if you don't know that much about the character, because oftentimes they're like, oh, could you play this one too? Or could you do a voice for this? And so you don't, you don't really know specifics, but you make them up. And the idea of getting to fully play a character, gosh, there's just nothing like it. So I think it's, it's, it's that. It's being a, a whole person regardless of, of what the project calls for or what the the people who've hired me have called for. It's me bringing everything to it. So I think that's what keeps me motivated. I stay focused because I'm trying to figure out what I'm talking about, what they, what this character wants from the other person. And I'm constantly figuring that out, like a little Sherlock Holmes, I guess, to put the whole puzzle together. So that keeps me motivated, definitely. And I, so it's a, it's complicated. When I do an audiobook, I get to play all the characters. So I map out who they all are. And in that sense, I understand how they're different. And then vocally, who gets the high voice or the low voice and all of that. And then within that, I get to play each scene as the different characters and then pop into the narrator. And But you're weaving this whole thing together to tell the story because that's that's the most important thing. That's the essence of human beings is storytelling. It's our whole culture. It's our community. 
And so to be able to really tell that story and bring those characters to life, I just focus on that. As I understand it, you guys, just due to union rules, can only go, I think, like four hours at a time? Every job's different, really. Are you So it, it all depends. <laughs> exhausted. I would say you get tired in different ways. Something that's much more, let's say, kind of yelling and, and bigger energy is tiring. But it seems stupid to be tired after working for four hours. You know what I mean? I feel really bad about that because <laughs> oh, no, it's no, not no, no. like I'm doing brain surgery or something. But, but you're, you you're definitely are tired. Yeah. You're inhabiting completely different people at, at a, you know, sometimes in succession. That's right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it is tiring. When I do audiobooks, that's for like 6 or 8 hours and sometimes I've gone 12 hours. Oh, so wow. it's that's tiring in a way too because you have to remain so still because any movement, I mean I move my arms around a bit and stuff, but you you can't make any noise that the mic picks up. Yeah. So for that, that's tiring in a different way because you're you're breathing but quietly and you can't really eat and, you know, all that stuff. That's tiring in a, a different way than doing a cartoon. I'm a fidgeter. I'd get fired the first day. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to wear quiet clothes. You oh, figure yeah. it out. In the old days, <laughs> no we had, in the old days, like five years ago, um, you would have everything printed <laughs> on paper. And then you would, we all had ways of moving the paper without making noise. So and now awesome. everything is on the iPad. So it's easier. Oh, wow. What what do you do for self-care? Because I'm sure you, your voice is just destroyed after after one of those marathon 12 12-hour day, days. It's not as bad actually because I I try to drink a lot of water. I try to breathe correctly and it's not my voice doesn't really go out, but I live in Los Angeles and it's very dry here. And so adapting to this was more of a challenge than I thought it would be. And I definitely have some vocal problems that I didn't have when I lived in New York. So those are things that I have to really watch. And then, you know, honey or coconut water, avocado, you know, things like that that can help, like, rehydrate me. Do you do hot drinks? Well, I do drink coffee and tea, but not necessarily for my voice, just for my good humor. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I used to play, I used to play music back before I got married and had kids and they ruined mm-hmm. all that. I'm joking. I was, I was really, really average if, if that, but I used to play at one bar in particular that was when I left, I felt like a dirty ashtray. And oh, right. Right. I just, I discovered a tea mm. uh, throat coat. Yeah. That, that's super. Oh, yeah. And that stuff, it, yeah, the, like the next day is just much better. It's so the helpful. slippery elm in there, I think. And I think there's licorice in it or anise. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. You, are you working on any music with your kids then? Even like basic drumming things? or? No, I'm teaching my nine-year-old how to play guitar. Oh, that's and good. My five-year-old, who is, is two girls. Mm-hmm. And they're both insane and in completely different ways. And I love it. My five-year-old the other day came up to me and we were watching a video and it had classical music in it. And she said, this is beautiful. I want to cry. And I said, oh my gosh. Uh, so we, we've started listening to classical music and oh, wow. try and teach her a few simple things on the piano. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah. it also improves your, your brain. So. You're also oh, yeah. doing good things. <laughs> That's so lovely. I, I love it. And for the longest, because back a long time ago, or you know, up until like a year ago, anytime I would pick up an instrument, they would go, you're too loud, daddy. You need to. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, so gosh. that was just a part of my life that I had stopped doing completely. Right. And right. so, or, you know, if they were gone, I would pick up the guitar, or the piano, and I'd get loud, but for the most part, I just kind of put it away. Mm-hmm. Well, but, this is nice. A good way to connect with yourself oh, yeah. and with them. And that's, I mean, if they remember that from this whole lockdown, that's going to be fantastic. 
Oh, an- another thing. My my nine year old has been doing the Duolingo um, French. Oh yeah. She's been taking French lessons over du- Duolingo. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, I work for Mango. Actually, I'm the American who teaches languages to other Americans. Oh, but all of that cool. stuff, I think, is fantastic that you take some time to really stretch yourself and learn another language. And there's huge payoff in that. Do you do you, do you have a second language or, or you know multiple languages that you speak already? I, yeah, I speak a little French, but I when I graduated college, I could speak fluently because I went to France and I could translate um, what people were saying. And then I've just kind of lost it. And I'm always saying, oh, shoot, I've got to pick this back up. Or I've been to France once, you know, somewhat recently. My daughter was studying in Italy for a summer abroad class. Anyway, so we both have learned some French and we could speak some French while we were there. But I really need to like dive in. And, and go back to it like enough that I could just speak it around the house you know yeah yeah it's I'm always impressed with people that can do that yeah it's it's fascinating to me so it's been almost or, or over 20 years since Pokemon yeah first came out how did you know when you started on the show like Holy smokes! This is this is gonna take off, or or when did you know that it was something huge? That it was a going to be a cultural thing. You were going to be in the zeitgeist forever. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I I do remember auditioning and really just loving the tiny clip that we saw. It looked like such a fun, just a fun show, but. I don't think anyone can ever judge what people are going to like or not like and what's a quote success. But I do think that the stories and the friendship and the kind of the implied moral that you're not hit over the head with has buoyed it and allowed it to survive all this time. I think when I first realized it was something was when there was a write-up in the New York Times and it was about the first movie. And so then my my dad was like, hey, I saw this article. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's exciting. As an actor, people always say, oh, you're an actor. Uh, what are you in? Have you been in something I know? And then so to be able to say, well, yeah, I, I, I work on a cartoon called Pokemon. And I'm, oh, yeah, I know what that is. So it's like going to Paris and people say, oh, did you see the Eiffel Tower? And most of your acting career is like saying, no, but I went to this great cafe and that people just check out. They don't really care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They just want to know the big hits. So I think that was the first thing uh, I got to go to the premiere of the movie in Los Angeles and New York and going and seeing so many people waiting to get into the theater. There was a store down the street from where we recorded that was starting to sell little Pokemon things. And it was like a a Japanese store or they sold Korean items or it was a a store that just had stuff in it, like a wholesale store. And so I was like, hey, well, uh, you may want to order more Pokemon stuff because this thing is really uh, getting popular. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I don't know that they took my word for it, but I did buy some really cool Pokemon rings in there. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you were talking earlier about, you know, seeing the Eiffel Tower and stuff like that. Well, people might not be 100% familiar with the show. However, every Thanksgiving, they see that Pikachu float. That's and they're right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They know exactly who that is. That and it's, it, something, it's yeah. you know, cultural relevance is you're in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And, uh, you that was that must have been a crazy crazy time to be on something that amazingly huge well um, i i will be quite honest with you it has never impacted my life in any real way because nobody knew i was on it i would go to the parade every year and my daughter and i would always take a picture with the pikachu going over our heads and but there it's not like anyone seeing me would say, oh, hey, aren't you on that show? The it, it has impacted my life in that 
I have had the opportunity to travel around the world to conventions and talk to people who are giant fans of Pokemon and hear their stories about how it changed their lives. And that has really impacted my life. That has made me feel like I was part of something big, bigger than anything in my life. But in my day-to-day, it hasn't it hasn't really changed anything. It actually sounds like the the perfect amount of having a job in the creative sphere mm-hmm. and kind of like notoriety, I guess, because you, you know you you can you can be totally anonymous if you want right. to, right? But yeah. people are still going nuts over the work that you do, right? Right, and, and it um, is kind of funny when people find out that. I was the voice of Ash or something, but, but that's rare. <laughs> it was, I, I, I have a comics discord group that, that I help run. And I asked some people uh, if they had any questions and because I'm, I'm going to be talking to, um, to the voice of Ash. And somebody said, Ash is a lady. Oh, I know. <laughs> I said yes. Veronica Taylor is, is very much a lady. <laughs> yep, that is really so. funny because sometimes people don't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's there's a what was the cartoon King of the Hill? Uh-huh. There's a character on there named Bobby, and the actress is the act actress that that plays Bobby is also very much a lady, and it's so weird right. seeing her do the voice. Yeah. And because you, it does not mix. <laughs> and I'm sure people have the same, the same experience when they see you do Ash's voice, because they're like, oh, there's this, there's this nice lady. And she's talking just like my favorite cartoon character. That's right. I know it always is. <laughs> it's a little weird. boy. <laughs> Especially in the beginning, when I started going to conventions, I, I hated people seeing the voice come out of my face because oh. I just think that ruins it. But to be like, Hey, Casey, awesome to see you. You're the best. Is not so bad because then you imagine Ash's face, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just had an experience a second ago mm-hmm. uh, where because my my little brother who, who passed away a few years ago, every day after school, when we got home, I would I'd pick him up from school. I was in high school. He was in middle school. And the first thing he would do is he would plop down on the couch and we would watch Pokemon. Oh gosh. And he loved the show so much. Yeah. And so he'd be pissed at me right now for being, (laughs) for having this experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you share it with him. I mean, that's the whole thing. Pokemon is, it's not about being alone because you could watch it at home by yourself, with your brother, with your grandmother. You go and play it at school. It's a way to start conversations. It's it's about togetherness. And so I think that's what's made it incredible. It wasn't, we have so much binge watching now where people just watch things and you're alone doing that. But Pokemon was about being together. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. I really, really, as much as, the idea of being the older brother with, you know, stuck with my younger brother kind of grated at me. Sometimes I really loved sitting down and watching the show with him because it was, yeah. it was something that we kind of connected over and it was That's, such a, such a good experience. That's amazing. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> I, I kind of teared up a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm happy. Thank thank you so much. Um, So when you started doing the the video game work, Mm -hmm. was that a little bit of a a, a different experience for you in terms of doing that voice acting, Uh, especially something doing something that would be less passive and more, you know, the person, the viewer would actually be taking part in the experience itself. Did that inform any of your creative decisions? Well, the the thing about video games is you usually just see your own lines. So that you have to be pushed more by the director when you're working on things, if that makes sense. Like they know more about how it's going to fit into the big picture. And most of the time you really don't. So there's some video games where 
there are actual conversations like Fire Emblem Three Houses, for instance, a lot of those are conversations. And so that conversation is in the script. So you can get an idea of what's happening more than in other video games. So it's all, again, it's you just kind of, you feel it, you say it, and then you see if that's what they like. <laughs> I hear you. So do do you have a preference now? I mean, because you, you've been able to kind of dabble in all these different forms of acting and expression and kind of doing doing your work in different types of acting fields. I don't know the best way to, to say that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, different it's like genres, it. I guess. Yes. Yeah. So do you have a preference? I love being on stage. I love having the audience right there. And the you work with the other actors and you're working off the energy of the audience. And it's such an in-the-moment experience. And every night, even if you are doing the same show, the same lines, the the show is different and it's, and you, that energy is what, that's just what you thrive on. And so you have to manufacture that too, when you're working in the booth. So I think theater is my favorite and it's hard. And so I love it. But I guess the next thing would be audiobooks because you're creating the whole play in a sense, but you get to play all the characters and then animation because you can be anyone at any time. So I could be five-year-old girl, a 10-year-old boy, a 90-year-old woman, and a witch, you know, all in (laughs) one session even. And then, and that there's no limit. It's just the limits of your imagination. And, you know, who is doing the casting? (laughs) But the, I, I love that it's limitless like that. I just, I love the possibilities and that you can push yourself into areas that you didn't even know you could be pushed into. I, I just, I really love that. And then also like during the first season of Pokemon, I was gigantically pregnant and I was playing a 10 year old boy, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, it's like, what, where else could I have worked? And been someone so different from myself and not judged by what I looked like, I could just be. And that was a, a great gift. That's that's amazing. Can you describe, you were talking about the feeling you get from stage acting. Mm-hmm. And I, I know just, just from playing music, there is a, a transformative feeling, yeah. when, especially when everything is going right and you just... Right the the connection you feel with the the other people taking part in the performance right can you describe that a little bit to w- how it feels for you yeah i think what what you brought up that transformative feeling i think it's not unlike what runners get when you're you're running for that that whichever period of time it is for yourself and you suddenly just it's not like you're flying but you just let go and you're just in the zone. It's the same as when, you know, it's the end of the soccer game and you're just, you've played so hard and you guys, you've got to get that goal and you're just pushing and pushing beyond your boundary and you just do it. Somehow you do it. Being on stage when you're performing music or when you're in the theater, I think similar where you just, you you work and work, you memorize, you work on the character, all of that stuff. The curtain goes up and you just let it go. And then you're in the moment. I guess, again, it's like when you are speaking another language that's not your first language, there's a moment that it clicks and you start thinking in that language. It's the same playing a character. You start thinking as the character. And that's how you can react when something goes wrong and you can make up lines or, you know, you're talking from that person. And it's not just you making things up, but you're in the zone. And gosh, I... I, I don't think there's, I mean, I've just listed some things, so there are some things like it, but it's so gratifying to to just leave yourself outside and and enter fully into a character. And you can get that somewhat in animation or, you know, audiobooks, whatever. You can get that to a certain extent, but on stage, you're still working off other people. And even those times when I've had where you 
you just can't remember what the next line is. And you're looking at the person and then we figure it out and we get back to it. And there's just those times when um, you just work it out. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty great. So yeah, I miss that for sure. Do you think that your your training in, in stage acting and the your schooling kind of helped you to develop emotional range for when you're doing the the audiobooks and the video games and the animation because you, you you're not just doing you know funny kid shows you, you're also doing you know a lot of a wide range of work right and a lot of it I mean grave of the fireflies you have yeah. to have emotional range that uh, broke my heart <laughs> yeah that's a beautiful movie oh yeah um yeah I think it's it definitely my training has helped me to tap into the emotions that I need it, my training has helped me to know when to to give more when to hold back all of that how to structure it that you can be in the moment of the character but also be on the outside saying ah pull back a little okay you can let it go now don't yell at this point it's easier if the anger is undercuts rather than shouting and you can figure those things out and then you have a director who says no we need more because the other character we want them to come in with this and and so you you learn how to i guess break everything down in a certain way how to fill the moment but also how to work with and off of other people including directors as well as other actors. That's so analytical, the the way you're describing it. Mm. But well, I think it is. Acting is a business, you know, in, a, in the sense yeah. that it's technical. Music is technical. But when you put all the notes in the right order, you get something beautiful. But you have to know how to how to work it. You have to know the instrument. You have to know how to tune it, how to play it, how to how to just work those strings. And it's the same for your instrument, which is your body, your voice. You've got to know how to work it so that you can get what you need out of it. After you do a particularly heavy scene, are you able to just kind of drop it and and pick up and you know go have lunch or whatever? Or do you have to kind of chill out for a little while and and regroup? I think it depends. It depends on on what what it is, what medium it is. I mean, if you're talking about animation, I can do some like really heavy emotional things, let's say as Ash, when he's running or, or very upset or very intense. And then they go, okay, the, we go, okay, let's just take it back one. And you have to be able to jump out, analyze, and then go back in and recreate it. So I would say in a general answer to that, I'm able to pop in and out. I haven't had to be on camera where I'm sobbing and then we cut and then, you know, get back into let's let's just do the whole thing again. I haven't had to do that and, and like have heavy emotional scenes for 10 takes. So I don't know that I would pull all the way out of the emotion in that case. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It, people that are able to do that, it just it, it blows my mind what you what you do. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, again, I think it's all technical. Like, you know what you need to do to get yourself to cry on cue. You know what you need to do to muster up. Where does that feeling come from when you're letting out this horrible scream of agony? Where does that laugh come from? You know, all of that stuff, it's, it's technical, but then it's filling the moment and the acting that makes it work, you know? Awesome. Uh, So I have, I have a few more questions for you. Okay. One is completely and totally like kind of purely for myself. I want to know how you got involved in the magic trip. Can Casey search for a cool place? Yeah. Because I love that documentary. Can, can Casey blew blew my mind. I I discovered his writing at the right time in my life. I I was like 19, 20. And, you know, it's the perfect time to pick up the electric Kool-Aid acid test or, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right. uh, Yeah, for me, that's uh, you know a lot more about all of that than I do or certainly did when I was asked to come audition for that. And then I'm just doing, gosh, I can't remember right now the the 
person whose voice I had to loop in that. What's that? Jane Burton. Jane Burton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it was a thing that I I worked on for, I don't know, an hour or so or some short amount of (laughs) time and we fit the lip flap and then and then off it has gone. It's just out there. For most of the stuff I do, I don't get a copy of it. And so it's not like it's on my shelf and I go, oh, yeah, I've, I worked on that. It's, yeah, that it's just, unfortunately, I think it was a really amazing documentary. I think it was an amazing piece. And I wish I even knew more about it before I went in. But well, I was I mean, quite happy to work on it. <laughs> not many people can say they were in a film with not only Stanley Tukey, but Allen Ginsberg. Yeah, so, <laughs> right, right, right. I know. That has to be the the most eclectic cast I've ever seen in a film. Is that right? Yeah, I've never even seen the whole thing, just bits of it. And I got to do her voice. I don't even know how. Like, I think someone recommended me for it. I mean, I, like a just a crazy thing. But but it is really cool, and it certainly piqued my interest to find out more about, you know, music in that time or people playing outside, like Woodstock, you know, all of that. Because we all know Woodstock, but we don't know as much, or at least I didn't, about people who were traveling around and playing out and, you know, all of that. So, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and the people that led up to Woodstock, which is exactly, kind of exactly. what who Ken Casey was, because he... Mm-hmm. He really kind of set the scene. Yeah. Especially for for uh, West Coast in in that kind of weird hippie scene. Yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. That's really no one's ever asked me about that, and you know a lot more about it, so it's good that we're talking. Every now and then, I like to throw a few curveballs. So. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> so one big thing that you do with is going around to conventions and and interacting with fans. And Mm -hmm. we touched on that a little bit earlier, but I I just really want to know, like, is it still enjoyable? I mean, it it seems like a lot of work. I mean, traveling like that, and I mean, I'm sure you've done that when, you know, when you do stage work, when you were doing the Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, that is a, that's a job. Stage yeah, that was that was really actors. hard. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, but do do you still enjoy doing the convention thing? And and are you planning on returning once all this craziness goes away? Hopefully. Yeah, I I really really love it. I love traveling. I love exploring the places that I get to go to and going to really local farm to table type restaurants and trying to you know, really connect with the community wherever I am. And which also includes the community, which comes to these comic cons because I've met the most incredible people and I, I could never get tired of it because I never tire of hearing people's stories. And, and like I said before, really connecting with people. And I've made friends that I've seen over the years at, at the same conventions or different conventions and different places. I was just doing a, you know, an online whatever. And someone said hello from Kuwait. My daughter and I had been there. And, you know, there's all these people that I may not remember everyone's name, but I rem- remember their faces. And I've seen some people Oh, gosh. The first convention I went to was 2002 in New Zealand and Australia. And I was back in 2000. Well, I was back last year and maybe 2016 or 17. I was back in New Zealand and two boys whom I met when they were 10 came to see me. And one of them had his son with him and the other was um, just getting married. And, you know, it was extraordinary to know specifically know those two boys because I've I've met them I just even though they look totally different now of course <laughs> I I know them you know and every single person whom I meet is very incredibly special to me and more to the point the honor that I have to meet people that people will come to see me and talk to me is, oh gosh, I I really can't fully express how incredible it is. And so, yes, I look forward to getting back out on the road. It is really hard, but I just, I can't imagine not doing that. I, I haven't accepted many 
conventions yet because we don't know when they will start back up. And I, I don't want to say I'll be there when I, I just don't want people pinning their hopes on something when we don't know if it's going to be safe yet. And there's, you know, of course, they don't want to say, well, a lot of conventions don't want to say uh, we'll have to wait and see. They just say, we're going for it, and everyone's excited, and then when you have to cancel, it's really sad. So I'm just hoping that we can all kind of hope and see what happens, but know that, at least for this year, I'm not sure that we're going to have anything with um, more than 30 people, you know, outside. (laughs) I I just don't know that it's safe. There was one in Huntsville not long ago. Oh, there was? Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't go because I'm not, you know, I work, yeah. in, like I said, in a medical field. Yeah. And I also regularly help out my wife's grandparents who live about a mile away from us. Right. And I'm right. not going to do anything that would put them in, in jeopardy. Yeah. You just so can't. I, as much as I wanted to see Chris Claremont, I'm not going to go. No. <laughs> not now. Not um, now. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to be the reason that someone else gets sick. No, you don't. And and we can wait. That's the thing. And now people are having things online. My daughter and I are trying to do more videos and do some arts and crafts and things like that that are, are a little more fun. And, you know, again, ways to just kind of connect. We're trying to think of some fun things to do for in the meantime. But so, it will all get back. You know, it'll all get back. But just not yet. During convention season, you, you mentioned, you know, go, the the joy of being able to go around to all the different like farm to table places and all yeah. that. How do you keep from having to have people wheel you out in a wheelbarrow? <laughs> from being exhausted? <laughs> no, no. From going to all the 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 nice, yummy restaurants. <laughs> oh, well, it's just more so that we we try to go to really local spots rather than anything that's a chain or something like that. So you really support the community. So we're not eating a ton of food. We always go to a farmer's market just to see what's growing and, you know, talk to farmers. But it's more about just local stuff. Although I have brought home some great things. Um, Like I was in Albuquerque in January and I brought home a great hot sauce. And I was in Atlanta last summer and we brought home peaches that we froze and I was in Canada and I brought home basil and I froze that once I made a pesto and like all of these things that I've been able to bring back and then use because now I'm home. (laughs) So that's been a great thing. But I don't think we're eating so much while we're out, but we're just trying to, you know, spend money where it goes right into the pockets of the people who live there. That's great. That's great. So one thing I always ask our guests, mm-hmm. um, we do a lot of uh, stuff with comic books and comic creators. Right now is a crazy time for people who are in that industry. And I assume you are a book reader. Uh, yes. Do you have a particular place that you like to go that you would like to, to talk up before we before we head out? Do you mean like a local bookstore? Or? Yes, ma'am. Well, I I do try to go to all just small bookstores. I mean, I certainly do go to a Barnes and Noble every now and then, but um, it's unavoidable it, sometimes. Yeah, um, Books of Wonder in New York City is my favorite bookstore, um, and here I'm near Skylight Books, which is another small bookstore. Definitely any kind of smaller comic book shop or. Um, anything like that. Again, you know, like, don't we all kind of miss the video store, the small one where we used to live in New York? Every Friday, we'd go across the street and go to the video store and the guy there would suggest things. And my daughter was so small and we'd always get a video, sometimes Teletubbies, but some great (laughs) movie we'd watch on a Friday. And, but that was interactive because we, he would recommend things all the time. And, and that's why you go to a smaller bookstore, comic book shop, because people say, oh, we've got the latest whatever in, or, well, if, if you don't see it, I'll order it for you. And all of that with audiobooks, Libro FM. They're a small, 
a smaller way to get your audiobooks and you can the money for that can go to a bookstore. Oh, so you cool. can specify that. Yeah, so that's another another way to kind of give back. So anyway, I don't have any specific comic book store, but I know there's just so many. I've been to so many. <laughs> but yeah, I think shop local. Think global, shop local. I see that you've done some work for uh, Judy Bloom. What what audiobooks did you narrate for for her? I did the adult book in the in the unlikely event, and I, I got to you did. Yeah, because my my wife read it too, and then oh. I saw, oh that's Judy Bloom. So I I just oh my god, did you love it? I did. It was it was quite good. Mm, it's hard to narrate that because I was crying by the end and it's really hard to, because you can be crying as the character, but you have to be not crying as the narrator. So that was a really (laughs) tough one for me. I loved the book. I love her writing. She is someone who inhabits each character so fully that you recognize yourself or your neighbor or your friend in those characters. I also did the pain and the great one, which is about the great one who's the big sister and the pain who is the little brother and those i got to do the whole thing all the characters i mean and then she judy bloom narrated the end of the book when the cat speaks so i got to meet her and work with her in person for that oh, wow. and oh my gosh talk about a dream come true she is one of the most incredible people energy that never ends and she's so positive and just wonderful that was extraordinary. I just looked up her bio and she's she's still kicking. Oh, she's still writing and yeah, she's she's pretty incredible, quite a force. Yeah, she she's amazing. And yeah. it it was when when I was a kid, she was one of the authors that kind of turned me into a bookworm when I was yeah. when I was a small child. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I think especially cuz you have younger children, there's so many great books to read and that's why you go to a library because you're the richest person in the world because every book there is yours and you just choose and you bring it home and it's just an incredible world because books are there. Yeah. But I also think that there's so many let's call them quote older authors, meaning that were popular in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, that a lot of kids nowadays don't turn to because they're into what's coming out right now. And there's amazing books, um, even Stuart Little or Treasure Island, or, you know, now that we're all home with our children, reading a book like Treasure Island out loud together, you know, we've got the time kind of, you might yeah. as well just dive in. But there's so many of those great books. Judy Bloom, my gosh. Okay. Um, the mixed up files of Frank, what is her name? what's her name? Basley Frankweiler. Yes. That the, you know, all of those just great old books that you kind of need a library, but most of them are online right now and you can go pick up the book. So you can kind of browse online, which isn't the same thing as getting lost in the stack of books. But May I tell you about a mistake I made as a dad recently? What? <laughs> okay, so recently the Call of the Wild movie came out. Uh-huh. And my nine-year-old said, oh my gosh, we have to watch that. And I said, oh, well, it's a book by Jack London. Would you like to read it? I'll read it to you before we go to bed. And so she was she was on board. Yes. Yeah. So I downloaded what I thought was a Call of the Wild. And instead, I, I, I picked the wrong book. Oh, gosh. I got White Fang, and I started oh, reading it. So I, I don't know if you've read White Fang or have you know seen any of the films. Yeah, yeah but However, not the best for bedtime. Not at all. <laughs> so you're, you're going into the first chapter. The first chapter goes in hard. Yeah. It's two guys out in the middle of the Alaskan tundra, frozen, you know, right. everything around them. And they're sitting on top of a coffin. Mm-hmm. Getting this poor dead guy back, base, trying to ship him back home to uh, New York. <laughs> and a pack of wolves are surrounding and picking them off one by oh one. Oh, my gosh. By one. And my, <laughs> I'm such an idiot. My nine-year-old, I looked at her and I said, oh, nuts. I, I got the wrong book. And she said, no, dad. Let's keep going. Oh, my gosh. My, my five-year-old and my wife were in the next room. 
Yeah. And they could hear me reading. Yeah. And I heard my five-year-old go, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I kept reading. And I, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if this is appropriate. And I ended up like they, they hung in there. I said, if really? this gets too scary, we'll stop. Yeah. And sure enough, like it, it gets intense. Yeah. And reading that right you know, after that first oh, chapter, no. the guy is about to get eaten by wolves. Like the, the there's only one guy left now and no dogs. Yeah. And a group of, of hunters come up and, and scare off the, the pack of wolves. So he's saved and he gets away scot-free. But the tension yeah. that was lifted in that room after after getting to that part. Yeah. I turned two little kids into book nerds and wow. I love it. <laughs> way to go. So that's it, it pretty was, amazing. It was a dad fail, but at the same time it was like, okay, this is going to work because yeah. they're both reading a lot now. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. There are so many good books. We'll have to, we'll do some lists later. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so is, is there anything that you would like to, that you have coming up that we need to be aware of? Gosh, yes. I don't know. I'm working on things, but I don't know. No, I, I just post stuff on my Twitter and Instagram and you. Facebook. I mean, you know, there's some things that I'm like some projects that I'm starting to work on, but some of them don't really have real names. They don't tell me that or some of them I don't know when we're starting. So I don't even know what's worth talking about, you know, like that kind of stuff. I always have an audiobook coming, but you know, so I mostly try to post stuff on Twitter, Instagram. I'm getting my, finally, my website redone. So by September, hopefully that will be there. And then I can post some things there too. My daughter and I are working on some fun stuff. We're trying to put that on YouTube, but I'll post about that when we post something on social media. So if you kind of follow there, if you don't mind, you can find out what I'm doing. But I've, honestly, this is so nice to just have a chat but we don't need to talk about the future. We'll just talk about now. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. And, this has um, been so great. Thank you so much for for spending the time to to talk with us and um, putting up with my dumb questions. And, oh my gosh, you're kidding! Uh, they were so fantastic. Next time, just get your kids to come on as well. Oh, that would be incredibly joyful. We actually, before we started, I had left my my in laws, my my wife's. Mama and Poppy had us over for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so they just live a mile down the road. And so I had to jump in the truck and run back over to the uh-huh. house. But oh, they're, they're eating uh, peach cobbler right now. So my wife just sent oh, a picture. <laughs> I am jealous. Maybe I'll go make one too. Oh, yeah. In it, your it's, honor. It's perfect. Perfect time for peach cobbler. It Actually, really any time is a good time for peach cobbler. I know. Peaches, strawberry, blueberries. Oh, I'm yeah. up for that anytime. Well, f- thank you so much for talking to us. Thank awesome. you. Thank and skip driving. So stay healthy. Same to you. Wa- wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay away from people. Yeah, that's right. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Be well. Okay. Bye. And we're back. We're yeah, back. back. She was awesome. She is awesome. We should have her back on. But maybe we can convince her to come we back. We should have her come back on and interview her as Ash Ketchum and ask her Pokemon questions and see how much she knows. That would be interesting. Because I'm guaranteed. See how much well, she I knows. Say that. No, I say that because I guarantee you she knows more than I do because I don't. I know I know a couple of their names and I know enough to talk to Jacob about it. My, my 14-year-old. But I don't really know how yeah. to play the card game. Which, I don't know anything. Well, your kids are all of the age that all but the littlest one. Kendrick, you think about it. I'm the age for Pokemon. Pokemon came out when I was 13. Oh, was it thir- when yeah, you were 13? Yeah, is when it came out. I'm the age. Uh, see, I was 21. Pokemon, <laughs> but I was so ingrained in playing Magic the, the Gathering. I was like, no, Pokemon's for little kids. I'm playing Magic the Gathering. So right. I never I never right. have a Pokemon. I never played any games. Because Magic the Gathering is so much cooler. It is so much cooler. They have dragons, <laughs> all right? <laughs> It's the best. Yeah, but so I never, I, I never <laughs> yeah. played Pokemon. But like my kids all played. Like Cody right. played it. Jake's played it. The girls play it. So I, 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 I don't. The only Pokemon game I've. Did they watch the cartoon? I know. I don't watch any. I didn't do it. I 
No, did they? The oh, yeah, kids. they watch the cartoon. I'm not yeah. talking about you, man. The world don't revolve around it you. Does sometimes. No way, mm-hmm. man. I leave the room. You leave the room. I'm still here. Well, the same is true in the reverse, too. Well, 100% that. That's why I asked you about which kids uh, like All it. of my kids. You went off on Jack, you. Uh, Jack, the little one, likes it, too. <laughs> asked about your kids. You gave me your background. <laughs> well, no, because I did that because you said, oh, your kids are the... And I was like, no, I was, you know, the, I was actually the right age, but didn't like it. Uh, that's still funny. But though. no, the kids love it. I don't know a lot about Pokemon. I guarantee you she knows way more than yeah. I do about Pokemon, which that was my yeah. point. Do they watch the cartoons, yeah, though? Yeah, they do. They do. Yep. The kids yep. did? Yeah. Yeah. Cody's like the age of Pokemon. Right, right. And my and my, my nephew, who's 24 now, he's he's a huge Pokemon fan. And when we found out that we were having Veronica Taylor on, uh, he's like, you're having Ash Ketchum on your show? That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which nephew JT. is this? So, for people who don't know, we have a whole new thing coming out. Yeah, do we do. And it's going to be awesome. We're, we're getting ready to release the official Spoilerverse Discord yep. server. Yep. And JT just got done doing a ton of work for us on yeah, it. Yeah, he's going to uh, basically admin all the stuff that we don't want to do on it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to yeah, be awesome. Be totally cool. That and, and and all this other new stuff that's coming out, we'll, we'll announce it yeah, all at once. But just since you brought yeah. him up, it was kind of cool. He's been doing a lot of work, and we got to give him a big thanks we for did. that. So, JT, thank you. So. Yeah, that's a show. Yeah. You what's know that? what? If you enjoyed listening to Veronica... You should go back and check out our back issues because in there you'll find Rob Paulson, mm-hmm. Jim Cummings, and Jim huh? Cummings, Jim Cummings, Nolan North, a bunch of other voice actors we've talked to. I mean, it's it's so yeah. cool. Yeah, ton of voice actors to go back in, especially if you're a big animated fan and you want to know more about what they do and how they do it. It's a great place to yeah. start. And why? And uh, you. And while you're there, you can listen. You can listen to other shows on our network. You can read articles and reviews. We just got three more people signed on. They're going to be doing uh, comic book reviews for us. So there'll be a bunch more reviews of uh, indie stuff and mainstream stuff coming out. I just read through. Maybe even a new interview. Maybe even know. a new interview coming out pretty soon, which is going to be really awesome. And yeah. uh, there's a store link. Yeah. You can click on that and buy a T-shirt or a hoodie or a mask. Look fly as hell and help support the show. Well, that's it, Johnny. I think we're we're done. done. All right. Just don't forget. Inner Ocean's a podcast. We are Cthulhu. (laughs) As Cthulhu compels you to open the mind. (laughs) And read more. This is Veronica Taylor, and you're listening to Spoiler Country.